0: And why is this game so important to georgia well you put so much into the game you know it's like if you can't enjoy these moments then why do we do it you know if i can't embrace my family and hug them and love it and see the fans that stuck around for it that's what it's all about to me i mean like that's i had a coach a long time ago tell me if you can't enjoy those moments then then why are you in the business and the players you know they work hard guys they they, they practice so many times a week for this one game yeah you know, i want them to enjoy it i want them to see the emotion of it. it, it doesn't matter to me that it's Florida, it matters to me that it's our team and, and they won. How much have you seen him grow from that point? point, first game he's played in to tonight, whenever he breaks the SEC record for completion percentage over 30 plus attempts? Oh, he did, huh? Yeah. Well, good. That's what really good coaches do, they, they look at the personnel, and that's something that we've had to do as we learn this team early in the season you know where do we put the guys what's the best fit what's the best routes what are the best things that that we can do as a staff to put these guys in a a situation they can be successful and coach bobo has done a good job of that tyler Tyler betty a little bit there he went for 294 yards today um yeah i guess he did go 294. i mean he's a great player i've been saying it for a long time he's probably the best player that nobody's talking about you know he's really the engine that drives us he's a competitor and showed it tonight Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bren. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And flying solo for this episode, cousin Shane lost in the California Palm Springs desert. Hopefully he'll be back, finds his way home, back to his hotel room to hop on the lot for the next episode. But, hey, I got a good idea for a show here. Put out my updated... SEC power rankings first look ahead to the 2022 season and those have gone pretty viral so I thought hey not a whole lot going on we've been talking a lot of Georgia Alabama here's a great way to talk about all 14 SEC teams so hey that's gonna be the show topic for today and uh, before we get to that though as always we like to start with some viral clips if we can and if you missed it, we got two really good ones here. Stetson Bennett on Good Morning America here on Tuesday morning. Looked like uh, he barely slept. I don't want to say he was hungover. <laughs> I don't even know if he drinks or anything, but uh sure looked like he had a good time last night. And uh, I, th- I thought Georgia fans in particular would appreciate these comments from... Uh, Bennett is joining us live. Stetson, good morning, my friend. How you feeling this morning after that incredible performance last night? Have you had a chance to get any sleep? Uh, you know, a few hours. Um, <laughs> not many. Uh, I've been, been wondering about... Uh, yeah, no, not many. <laughs> well, you're going to have plenty of time. Sleep. congratulations now, if you didn't and know the uh, national champions they got to wake up in the morning and held hold a press conference talk about uh you know what the win means to them and everything and how brutal i mean can we not wait till we get to athens to do this type of stuff and this is what you get i mean a guy fresh off partying. i remember joe burrow he did something similar like this he he was bloodshot eyes there after uh, the the cash grab there when they beat clubs for the national championship so Hey, time to do away with this. Let let these players cut loose. Let the coaches cut loose. But uh, one other clip, flipping to the other side here. Uh, if you haven't seen this by now, I just thought this was really special. Nick Saban in defeat at the podium after the game with Bryce Young, Will Anderson. Can only imagine what all those players are going through after they come so close to winning a national championship but fall just short and before closing the thing out. Nick Saban had an uh, important message for Tide Nation and uh, all of college football, really. Bryce and Will, thanks for your time. We'll let you head back to your locker room. I'd like to say something. Can I say something? Absolutely. You know, these two guys that are sitting up here, they're not defined by one game. These guys played great for us all year. They're great competitors. They were great leaders on this team. Uh, and they, they contributed tremendously to the success of this team and we would not be here without them, all right? And both of them take responsibility for the loss, um, but both of them contributed in a lot of ways in a positive way to giving us a chance to win and a chance to be here to have an opportunity to win. So I just want to thank them for that and let everybody know how proud I am of these two guys. Thank you, Coach. Thank you very so I much. I just thought those, you know, that was a tremendous moment there by – a guy that uh, you know at this point in his career, he doesn't need any. He doesn't need any extra praise. He's gotten it all, and he's seen it all, and he's won the big game more than most. He's lost it, a, probably more than most too, because most never even reached those high peaks. So I just thought it was an important lesson because this is the first time Will Anderson, Bryce Young have experienced defeat in this type of setting, and those players both set to be poised to return next season for what should be a top five, if we're not kidding ourselves, top number one preseason team, Alabama. So a uh, really great message there from Nick Saban, and it, that'll bleed into my SEC 2022 power rankings, and I, I'm getting confusion on this already. Same as always, if Team A were meeting Team B on a neutral field next week, Who I'm picking to win the game. I rank them higher. And it's got nothing to do with what just happened. 2021 season. Already seeing other people. Well, Arkansas will beat this team. They beat that team. Mississippi State. What the hell? They went to College Station. 2022 season. Now, again, I know this is way too early. I'm not making any projections. I'm not saying one team's going to win the SEC. I'm not picking that here on January 11th. I'm not crazy. But... This is just where I see things stand immediately after the season coming to an end. There's so many transfers. We haven't even got to the National Signing Day. The assistant coaching carousel, that's still to be worked out. You got players jumping in and out of the portal. We'll get to that. Updates all across the SEC. Just thought I'd do it team by team while we're sitting here. But let's start off, no surprise, number 14. Number the Vanderbilt Commodores. And when Clark Lee took over in Nashville, you had to believe even the most diehard Commodore fan knew this was going to be a multi-season rebuild. The Commodores, of course, did not win an SEC game. Second season in a row, they came close, particularly in Columbia against South Carolina. had a win pulled out from under them in the closing seconds. But, you know, if I'm a Vanderbilt fan, I take solace in the fact that You know, this team never gave up on Clark Lee and that coaching staff. They played hard all the way till the very end. They were in some ball games, some SEC ball games late in the season. And I think you found something in Mike Wright. Maybe time for Ken Seals. I don't know if it's time for him to move on or not. But if not, hell, you got one of the best backup quarterbacks in the SEC. But just given the state of the Vanderbilt roster and particularly that offensive line was the worst in the SEC, I think you got to go with a more mobile quarterback and Mike Wright started to flash a little bit there. Uh, The defense, very inconsistent for much of the season, but even they started to show some progress and man, they are touting this uh, signing class they just got as the best in Vanderbilt Program history, so you got to believe that uh, damn near each one of those players is going to see the field immediately for the Vanderbilt Commodore. So, hey, we still got a long way to go, but the arrow is pointing up there in Nashville. Number 13. Now, number 13, here's where things were already starting to get uh, fans upset, but I'm going the Missouri Tigers, and it's got a lot to do with the fact that uh, you know we just lost Tyler Beatty. He's going to go off to the NFL, one of the best players, not only in the SEC, but the country. Now, on the flip side, Eli Drakowitz, time after time, has been able to produce elite production out of the running back position. I don't see there's a player on Missouri's roster at this time that uh, can necessarily replace Tyler Beatty, but I was saying the same damn thing last year when uh, Larry Roundtree went off to the NFL and Tyler Beatty stepped up. So someone will probably emerge... Connor Bazelak, of course, off. He's off to Indiana. Who's going to be our starting quarterback for Missouri? That remains to be seen. Will it be Cook? Will it be Tyler Macon? They've got uh, an incoming freshman that is very, very touted, one of the top ten quarterbacks, signees in the country. So, hey, we've got some options, but that remains a mystery. Uh, the defense for most of the season was very, very poor under Steve Wilkes as he transitioned to the college football game. Now, I'll give them this. You know, they looked a lot stronger in the second half of the season, but Makai Wingo's already entered the transfer portal. He was one of their promising linemen. They've they have a, they've had several secondary players announce they're going off to the NFL. A lot to uh, rebuild, and, and, hell, I know you just signed, again, Theme here, probably the best signing class in the history of the program. Going to have to see a lot of those guys on the field next season for Missouri. But, hey, it's not all doom and gloom here because Missouri did something really smart here on Tuesday. They announced uh, they are now are going to have seven home games next season. This is how you do it. This is basically the Kentucky blueprint. Line you up as many home games as you can against winnable programs for some damn reason. Missouri was set to open next season at Middle Tennessee. So we've taken that game off the schedule, replaced it with a home game against Louisiana Tech. You know, hell, you want to beat MTSU either way, but you need as many home games, get the fans excited, get that revenue going, let recruits see your campus, your facility, all that. So you got to maximize home opportunities. Credit to Missouri for adding that seventh home game. And, Hey, it ain't doom and gloom. Look at the home schedule here for Missouri next year. Louisiana Tech mentioned them. Abilene Christian, that's another win. Georgia, go be tough. But then you got Vanderbilt, Kentucky, New Mexico State, and Arkansas. Not saying you're going to win all those games, but hell, we've seen crazier things in the SEC. So I'm just seeing one surefire loss in uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. And, and hell, who knows? Who knows how they rebuild after winning the national championship? So. Missouri schedule looking pretty promising. Number twelve. Next on the list, the Auburn Tigers. Now, of course, they had uh, they were red hot. Remember, I made fun of myself here. Brian Harson, an SEC Coach of the Year, about midway point in the season, they looked incredible. They controlled their own destiny in the SEC West going into the final month of the season, and then the wheels gave off. Uh, lost to the Mississippi State. That really uh, did them in there and just loss after loss after loss. So And crushing losses, the Iron Bowl, let's not forget the Birmingham Bowl. I mean, so many losses. You have fire Mike Bobo, Bo Nix off to Oregon. But, you know, it's not all doom and gloom here for the Auburn Tigers because they have got a number of super seniors returning. And here on Tuesday, starting center Nick Brom, starting left tackle Ox and Troxel were the latest to announce that they will be back to play for Brian Harson's Auburn Tigers next season, and we're this is a theme here. We're seeing in the SEC last year it was Lane Kiffin and Sam Pittman. Now we're seeing it at an Auburn, South Carolina, and Tennessee, where these players are signing back up as super seniors, going into a second year of a new coach. There's momentum in the building. You know, there's a lot to figure out here. We got Zach Calzada. T.J. Finley, Demarius Davis at quarterback. We kept Tank Bigsby. I mean, that was the biggest get of the offseason. I don't care who else you get the rest of the way, getting Tank to stay for another season on the Plains, that was huge for the Auburn Tigers. If you find a way to get this offensive line going, get some receivers now that Kobe Hudson's off the team, Derek Mason with this defense, they've had a lot of guys returning. Defense looks to be a strength once again for the Auburn Tigers. And I know number 12 seems pretty low. You're still, believe it or not, if you're 12th in the SEC, you're talking top 30, top 35 in the country. And, hell, every time we doubt Auburn, they rise up the charts. Every time we pick them to to make some noise in the West, they fall apart. So, hey, if nothing else, this is exactly where you want to be on the plains. Number 11. All right, it was tough to place this team, but, uh, you know, Billy Napier's first team there in Gainesville. So many unknowns, completely new coaching staff, and here on Tuesday made it official. Rob Sale, New York Giants offensive line coach, coming down to Gainesville to be a offensive coordinator, run game coordinator for the Florida Gators. He's got SEC experience in his background. This is a guy that knows Billy Napier well. So the staff is coming together. You're winning on the recruiting trail You're getting, I don't know if they had, uh, I think they had one four-star when Napier got there. And, of course, they suffered some defections. And and I'm not looking at the numbers in front of me, but I think they've turned around and got about half a dozen blue-chip prospects in a short amount of time to commit to play for Billy Napier there in Gainesville. So, you know, just a complete unknown. I'm basically putting Florida here based on the talent, based on the coaching staff. But, you know, it's going to be tough right out the gate, very difficult schedule Utah let's see second game i think is winnable i'm not looking at the schedule apologize but kentucky tennessee right out the gate i mean this is uh there there's not many layups here for the gators right out the gate and if they don't start fast could be a rough season but on the flip side you come out you know, no one's going to have film on what you're running. You got Anthony Richardson. You got Emery Jones. You just landed the Ohio State transfer Jack Miller at quarterback. So, suddenly we got a, a deep quarterback room here with the Florida Gators. That's what Billy Napier has done very well during his career. Coach up the receivers and the quarterback. Get that offense humming. And... uh you know, there's certainly talent to work with. So the Florida Gators, I got got you number 11 right now, but certainly I could see you rising up the charts quickly next season. Number 10. Now here's another one. I just don't really know where to put the team. Was it odd Coach O? Was it all the roster? The roster was in a tough spot, but uh, hey, this team's got a lot of heart. We saw it they're in the Texas Bowl, taking the field against Kansas State. But what will it look like under Brian Kelly in the first season? I suspect they're going to start slow, finish strong. So that's kind of why I got LSU Tigers number 10 in the SEC as of January 11th. Now, they've had, they got a lot of holes. And Brian Kelly says, we're going to attack this thing via the transfer portal. They've already started to do that because... Arkansas team captain, former starting defensive back Joe Fouché, announced here on Tuesday, he's an LSU Tiger. He's coming home. He's not alone. Louisiana Lafayette DB, Makai Garner, a multi-year starter for Billy Napier at Louisiana, now a member of the LSU Tigers. So quickly, we're seeing the wheels in motion. Of course, we got Miles Brennan recommitted to the program. Walker Howard. Garrett Nussmeyer, I mean, we've got some intriguing options at the quarterback position. Kayshawn Butte, possibly the best receiver returning in the SEC. Got to fix offensive line. That's got to be a huge, huge, huge area of concern for Brian Kelly and company this offseason. What's his defense going to look like? You know, I think we take for granted that LSU's defense is always going to be dominant. they got plenty of good players on that side of the ball. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do in uh, Matt House's system. But, uh, again, too many unknowns right now to put them any higher than number 10, in my opinion. Number 9. The Ole Miss Rebels. Now, this is one I'm already catching a ton of heat for. Ted Wynn's season. We all know the historic year the Rebels had on the field, but this is a new season, two coordinators gone. Kevin Smith, the running backs coach, off to Miami. That was just announced. Of course, Matt Corral, Snoop Conner, Jerry Ealy. A lot of offensive talent off to the NFL as well uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, I don't want to say a total rebuild here because that's not fair because Kiffin and company, they signed a, a good class their first cycle there in Oxford. So those players are going to start to be coming up to speed, but a lot of unknowns. And I really am waiting for Ole Miss to land a transfer quarterback before I really know how to gauge what they've got here. You know, we've seen Luke Altmeyer a little bit, not very impressive, but hell, he's a true freshman playing in a a system that uh, anytime you take out, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, there's gonna be a significant drop-off with uh, where you're talking a true freshman that's never played at this level of football in his life. So, you know, it's not fair to judge him. Maybe he makes a big jump this offseason. Let's hope he does. If he does, Ole Miss can rise up these charts. But, you know, until further notice, you know, I got confidence in Lane Kiffin, his ability to coach up his football team. But again, very tough to kind of decide what the Ole Miss Rebels are going to look like at this point in time. South Carolina may maybe too low. I mean, hell, they they did beat some quality teams here at the end of the season, and they beat the hell out of North Carolina in the bowl game. Love to see that. But of course, the big story here: a lot of upperclassmen returning for Shane Beamers, Gamecocks. And of course, that's gonna just add to the roster bonuses of Spencer Rattler. Austin Stogner, both from Oklahoma. And then here, just this week, we've had it. Man, they've, they've been cleaning it up in the transfer portal. Wake Forest running back Christian Beal, he's a Gamecock. James Madison receiver Antoine Wills, Gamecock. Tearing up the JMU record books. He's he's a redshirt freshman we're talking about. First in program history in touchdowns, ninth in receiving, ninth in receiving yards. Oh, now he's a Gamecock. Terrell Dawkins, NC State defensive line, he's a Gamecock. Damani Reed, Central Michigan safety, he's a Gamecock. So that all happened this week. We're talking six transfer additions, and we ain't even till halfway through January. So, hey, credit Shane Beamer and that coaching staff. They're doing what they can to add depth, to add quality players to their roster, and they're getting guys that have played at in major college football, so they should be ready to go. You know, we're not talking aside from the JMU guy. You know, last season a lot of FCS trans they were—they were basically taking who they could get. And hey, they identified some good players. You know, let's not talk down to Jason Brown and, and EJ Jenkins. They certainly made an impact for the Gamecocks this season. But if nothing else, hey, that speaks to uh, Shane Beamer and company's ability to uh, to target, identify, and land these transfers to come to Columbia. So. Hey, South Carolina's going to be a dangerous, dangerous team next season. Certainly could see them climbing up these charts pretty quickly. Number seven. Mississippi State Bulldogs. You know, I, I feel like a lot of luster taking off their season after losing the Egg Bowl, after losing the bowl game and just uh, embarrassing fashion here. But, hey, let's not forget, it wasn't that long ago Mike Leach got to town and Will Rogers tearing up the record books. Mike Leach's system year in, year out. Produces at a high level. Last offseason, we added Makai Polk. Now he's off to the NFL after tearing up the record books. And we just landed Northwestern safe receiver Jordan Mosley. He's a hell of a target. Former, he was going to go to Tennessee. Then Pruitt got fired. He went to Northwestern. Now he's coming to Mississippi State. And he's not alone. West Virginia safety Jackie Matthews, who had 43 tackles. A sack and an interception last season for the Mountaineers. Both of those players announced this week they're headed to play for Mike Leach, Mississippi State, and uh, we know Zach Arnett, one of the most underrated defensive coordinators in the country. He does wonders with that group considering the talent that he has to work with, and the talent's just getting better because this is going to be their second signing class there in Starkville where – You know, they're identifying players that can fit their scheme. And that is what Mike Leach has, you know, that's all he talks about is repetitions, repetitions, repetitions. And that's why we saw Will Rogers and the receivers take a jump in year two. Now we got to get this offensive line solved. We got to restock the defense with uh, some key players moving on to the NFL, but bright things ahead for Mississippi state. No doubt. Number six, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now, Seeing a lot of people putting Arkansas in the top ten in the country. And you know, I don't quite think that's crazy or anything, but I'm not ready to jump quite that far. Uh last season, and it's why I keep pointing out with uh South Carolina, Auburn, and Tennessee, we'll get to here in a moment. But you know, Arkansas and Ole Miss, they were incredibly helped last season by so many upperclassmen, super seniors returning to. To the football team now we're going to have a couple of those this year Dalton Wagner bumper pool solid uh, collection of uh, you know that's a solid pair of returning for the Arkansas Razorbacks and the recruiting has gotten better since Sam Pittman's been there we know he's got arguably the best combo of coordinators in the country in Kendall Browse and Barry Odom but starting to see some troubling signs too with all these transfers and you know I think this is something we always do in the offseason. You know, we, you lose a generational player like a Traylon Burks, and we say, well, yeah, he'll be tough to overcome, but he's just one player. No, he's not. I mean, he's going to be legitimately a top 15 NFL draft pick, maybe even higher. Hell, he may be top 10. He's that good of a player. Who are you going to get to step up? Can Jadon Hazelwood? I think he's a good player. The transfer from Oklahoma, I don't think he's that good. So that's going to be something to see. Uh, Arkansas losing a lot on the defensive line. They're losing some key players at linebacker. Of course, I said bumper pool already. He's returning. We've got Jalen Catalan returning. So it's not like the cupboard's bare here. We've got some rising talent. we got KJ Jefferson, top three quarterback in the SEC. And... The offensive line you gotta believe with Sam Pittman there is just gonna keep continuing to get better. So that's why I got Arkansas six. People are taking it as a slight. I'm saying they're a top twenty team. I'm just not ready to buy in that they're top ten just yet. Number five. Tennessee Vols. Again, another one. The bowl season. I don't read too much into bowl season. I mean, you look at it historically. A lot of people think you win a bowl game, you go on to a great year. It doesn't work that way. Bowl game means nothing for what the following season is going to do. But Tennessee does got to get that defense solved because there was too many times you know, they were just getting shredded by opposing teams. And that last time we saw them against Purdue, that was, of course, what happened. Now, on the bright side, of course, you should have one of the best offenses, if not the best offense, in the SEC with Hendon Hooker coming back. With Cedric Tillman coming back with a bevy of running backs and four or five starting offensive linemen, this should be an offense that nobody wants to see next season in the SEC. And we just added a uh, receiver from Wyoming. I apologize; I don't have his name in front of me, but he he scored 12 touchdowns last season, and he's an incredible athlete. And the beauty with him, when you got Cedric Tillman returning, when you've got Jalen Hyatt returning. When potentially Javante Payton, I don't think he's made his decision yet, returning, when you're bringing in a guy with 12 touchdowns in one season at Wyoming, you don't need him to be your number one. You need him to be number two, number three, potentially, receiver. And that's what a guy uh, can do for you. six-foot-three receiver. Again, my, Wyoming's top receiver there. I know that's a, a different level of competition, but it'll be interesting to see what he looks like in this offense. Recruiting is starting to pick up for Tennessee. We're going to see uh, a deeper, more talented defense this season. You're not losing any, uh, you know, truly big-time playmakers on that side of the ball. Now that uh, Tyler Barron jumped in the portal and jumped back out, that would have been your biggest loss. He's back. You know, I saw a lot of promising signs for Tim Banks and his defense there in Knoxville. They just were lacking a lot of depth particularly and they were lacking a lot of difference makers they need to find those difference makers but depth is a huge huge key for a t- defense that is paired with an offense that runs as much as uh as quickly as many plays as tennessee does so you know the signs pointing up in tennessee i got them number five right now number four them texas M maggie's now you're losing a lot of talent that's why i got you at number four is going to be a re- tough to replace some of these players but absolutely loaded roster we got a potentially a three man quarterback race here don't forget Haynes Kings coming back landed Max Johnson in the transfer portal just signed a five star Connor Wiegman i mean this is going to be a fascinating quarterback race in college station this off season we got a mix of experience a mix of talent a mix of talent and experience i mean could go any way here uh, but i'm still looking for receivers to step up in a big way that is a is a big question mark for me with texas a and maggie's and it's been a question mark for far too long we've got talent there we've got a couple five stars now at the receiver position on the roster really need to see that unit go how will this defense go with the transition from mike elko to dj durkin considering some marquee players off to the NFL. Texas A&M may have the best secondary in the country. They don't play a lot of linebackers, but their linebacking core, they, are, they do return, is a very, very touted group. And this defensive line is going to be very, very young for the most part, but incredibly, incredibly talented. So defense should be fine, but really the big question mark quarterback and receiver for me right now when it comes to them Texas A&M Aggies. Number three. All right, the hottest take of a ball. <laughs> Kentucky Wildcats, man. I mean, they continue to build better and better under Mark Stoops. And, hey, if you missed it, great news for next season because Chris Rodriguez is coming back. Of course, Will Levis, he still had a year of eligibility, but he officially announced that he's coming back. Then we got some super seniors here. Linebacker Jacquez Jones. 86 tackles led the Wildcats in the regular season. DeAndre Square made the pick, sick, excuse me, the the uh, game-clinching interception in the Citrus Bowl against Iowa. 80 tackles and linebacker Jordan Wright, who was banged up, has got massive, massive potential. All these guys coming back, super seniors, and this is kind of same deal here with Tennessee, South Carolina, and Auburn. You know, getting all these veterans to buy in yet. Kentucky's already there. I mean, we're talking a 10-win program, having so many guys coming back. I think they're looking across at seeing what Georgia's doing and say that's where we want to be. That was the game that we fell short in the SEC East. They're coming back, and I people are laughing at this already, but that's their goal. They're coming back to dethrone the Georgia Bulldogs. And we got coordinators get trying to get poached. They're staying in Lexington. I think they can sense this is going to be a special team. The home schedule includes the Georgia Bulldogs next season. So, hey, we have potentially got a special, special season coming here. You thought this season was good. Wait till next season. You still got to replace Wondell Robinson. The defense at times was not as good as I thought it should have been, but that's maybe that's why a lot of these guys are coming back. You need help, I think, particularly at the cornerback position. I think Kentucky's going to be able to add there in the transfer portal and uh, we still have a decision on Dare Rosenthal. Could he, he could come back to be your left tackle next season. We'll see what happens. But right now, I got Kentucky number three. Number two. All right, number two here. This might be a little controversial, but I got the Georgia Bulldogs reigning national champions. I don't think anything I say negative about the Bulldogs is going to matter at this point because Dog Nation is on cloud nine coming off this national championship, and they'll be right in the thick of it next season without a doubt. But, uh, hey, this early, we just don't know. Hell, we don't know. Stetson Bennett, is he going to come back? JT Daniels, is he going to come back? Caleb Williams, (laughs) is he coming aboard? I mean, I want to put the cart before the horse. We just signed two five-stars. I mean, we have got... Quite the the quarterback battle brewing already, and and that's before adding potentially anyone else. And George has got as talented a roster as anybody, but they're going to have to replace a ton on defense in terms of talent, in terms of leadership. That's going to be incredibly difficult. I would imagine George Pickens will go off to the NFL now that he's won a national championship. But again, that's just me speculating. We got some running backs going off to the NFL. So there's a lot of pieces that have to be replaced for the Georgia Bulldogs. But let's not kid ourselves. They're going to be the favorite to win the East. Some people are going to be picking them to win the SEC, and I got no problem with it. But right now, for me, Georgia number two on the power rankings. And then, of course, so that leaves only number one. Alabama number one. (laughs) We've been kind of suggesting it for about a week now here (laughs) because just looking at what they got coming back. Bryce Young, Will Anderson, both returning with uh, arguably the best roster in all of college football, returning with them. Now, they have taken a little bit of a a hit here because this has been pretty wild here on Tuesday, but five players hitting the portal. Tight end Jaleel Billingsley, you know, he didn't factor in too much this year. He was in the doghouse. Drew Sanders, linebacker, who was a five-star who uh, projected as a starter to – Start the season, he's in the transfer portal. Quarterback Paul Tyson, quarterback depth there, the great-grandson, of course, of Bear Bryant. Linebacker King, Makuti, no idea if I said that right, probably didn't. And offensive lineman Tommy Brown. So it's interesting that uh, they've had so many defections via the transfer portal, but all that's going to do is line up them Crimson Tide to turn around and take five players eager to compete for a national championship and probably they'll get the five best players in the damn transfer portal because that's what Nick Saban does and last time I checked a hungry Nick Saban an angry Nick Saban a pissed off Nick Saban is not a Nick Saban anybody wants to deal with so look for Alabama to come out for the throat right out the gate next season and that's where I got things here on January 11th Well, you're here in this January 12th but hey things will change Just want to have a little fun, reference all 14 SEC teams and what's going on around the league. But that's going to do it on this episode. Catch you on the next one.